As many institutions adopt the use of facial recognition, many criticize this technology as being highly unreliable, especially in its inability to properly identify people of color. Hi, I'm Milton Allen Turner, and this week, I'm discussing the issues that prevent most software programs and photographic equipment from accurately recognizing or reproducing images of people of color. Welcome to this week's episode of Worldviews. In his report, city official says Cleveland police have facial recognition tech. How it's being used is unclear. On WKSU on 2022, Matthew Richmond reported that Cleveland's Chief Innovation and Technology Officer, Roland C. Fernando, acknowledged during City Council's Safety Committee meeting on April 27th that the city's police department is using facial recognition technology as one of its options for video analysis. The use of facial recognition by law enforcement has been criticized as an invasion of privacy and an unreliable technology, especially when identifying black people. Richmond continued, a landmark study in 2018 by a researcher at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology found that commercially available facial recognition software incorrectly identified dark-skinned women up to 34% of the time. A paper published in 2020 by the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers found algorithms used in facial recognition have to be adjusted to take into consideration race. Unfortunately, problems with algorithms properly identifying black people is nothing new. As James Vincent reported in his article, Google, quote, fixed its racist algorithm by removing gorillas from its image labeling tech, published on January 12, 2018, on TheVerge.com, said, quote, Back in 2015, software engineer Jackie Alcine pointed out that the image recognition algorithms in Google Photos were classifying his black friends as, quote, gorillas. Google said that it was, quote, appalled at the mistake and apologized to Alcine. And Google promised to fix the problem. But as a new report from Wired shows, nearly three years afterwards, Google hasn't really fixed anything. The company is simply blocked its image recognition algorithm from identifying gorillas altogether, preferring, presumably, to limit the service rather than risk another miscategorization. Wire says it performed a number of tests on Google Photos algorithm, uploading tens of thousands of pictures of various primates to the service. Baboons, gibbons, and marmosets were all correctly identified, but gorillas and chimpanzees were not. The publication also found that Google had restricted its AI recognition 
in other racial categories, searching for, quote, black man or, quote, black woman, for example, only return pictures of people in black and white, sorted by gender, not by race. Tom Simonite wrote on July 22nd, 2019, in the Wired Magazine article, the best algorithms struggle to recognize black faces equally. That quote, French company Edemia's algorithms scan faces by the millions. The company's facial recognition software serves police in the US, Australia, and France. Edemia software checks the faces of some cruise ship passengers landing in the U.S. against Customs and Borders Protection's records. In 2017, a top FBI official told Congress that a facial recognition system that scours 30 million mugshots using Idemia technology helps to, quote, safeguard the American people. But Idemia's algorithms don't always see all faces equally clearly. July test results from the National Institute of Standards and Technology, or NIST, indicated that two of Edemia's latest algorithms were significantly more likely to mix up black women's faces than those of white women or black or white men. Simonite continued, quote, but NIST's tests and other studies repeatedly have found that the algorithms have a harder time recognizing people with darker skin. The agency's July report covered tests on code from more than 50 companies. Many top performers in the report show similar performance gaps to Edemia's tenfold difference in error rate for black and white women. NIST has published results of demographic tests of facial recognition algorithms since early 2017. It's also consistently found that they perform less well for women than men, an effect believed to be driven at least in part by the use of makeup. White males is the demographic that usually gives the lowest FMR, or false match rate. Black females is a demographic that usually gives the highest FMR. NIST plans a detailed report on how technology works on different demographic groups. In the article, How Bad Facial Recognition Software Gets Black People Arrested, in Towards Data Science, on June 12, 2020, Ari Jury reported, quote, A recent study by NIST confirms what researchers have said all along. Facial recognition software serves you well as long as you're a white male. All others lose out. One method that's important to courts is one-to-one matching. This means that you query whether two different photos depict the same person, which can be useful 
to identify a suspect that you caught on video, for example. The study finds that there are 10 to 100 times more false positives for Black or Asian Americans than for Caucasian Americans, depending on the algorithm. In other words, if an algorithm is presented with two images from two different people of color, they pretty much look the same to the computer. The number of false positives is about the same regardless of non-Caucasian race in U.S. developed algorithms. Apart from African and Asian Americans, this also included Native Americans, American Indian, Alaskan Indian, and Pacific Islanders in the study. On October 24, 2020, for the Harvard University Graduate School of Arts and Sciences blog on science policy and social justice, in an article entitled, Racial Discrimination in Face Recognition Technology, Alex Najibi wrote, quote, a growing number of research exposes divergent error rates across demographic groups with the poorest accuracy consistently found in subjects who are female, black, and 18 to 30 years old. And the landmark 2018 Gender Shades Project, an intersectional approach was applied to appraise three gender classification algorithms, including those developed by IBM and Microsoft. Subjects were grouped into four categories, darker-skinned females, darker-skinned males, lighter-skinned females, and lighter-skinned males. All three algorithms perform the worst on darker-skinned females, with error rates of up to 34% higher than for lighter-skinned males. Independent assessment by the National Institute of Standards and Technology, or NIST, has confirmed these studies, finding that face recognition technologies across 189 algorithms are least accurate on women of color. Najibi concluded, several avenues are being pursued to address these inequities. Some target technical algorithmic performance. First, algorithms can train on diverse and representative data sets, as standard training data sets are predominantly white and male. Inclusion within these data sets should require consent by each individual. Second, the data sources, the photos, can be made more equitable. Default camera settings are often not optimized to capture darker skin tones, resulting in lower quality database images of black Americans. Establishing standards of image quality to run face recognition and settings for photographing black subjects can reduce this effect. Third, to assess performance, regular and ethical auditing, especially considering intersecting identities, such as young, darker-skinned, and female, by NIST or other independent sources, can hold face recognition companies accountable for remaining methodological biases. Our jury added, this lack in accountability for facial recognition 
isn't only bemoaned by the NIST. For example, researchers Joy Bulo-Almini from MIT and Tamit Jebru from Stanford University found similar disparities regarding race and gender. It's worth mentioning that both scientists are black women themselves, two of the very few that work in artificial intelligence. All these disparities wouldn't be as bad if facial recognition were a toy by white people for white people. The problem is that these algorithms are used on ethnic groups that had no say in their development and implementation. For example, they're more likely to get wrongfully incarcerated because a machine made a mistake due to the color of their skin. As Bulamwini puts it, quote, technology should be more attuned to the people who use it and the people it's used on. The report, How is Face Recognition Surveillance Technology Racist? by Cade Crockford, director of the ACLU of Massachusetts Technology for Liberty Project, published on June 16, 2020, highlighted the fact that, quote, first, the technology itself can be racially biased. Groundbreaking research by black scholar Joy Buolamini, Deb Raji, and Timni Jebru snapped our collective attention to the fact that, yes, algorithms can be racist. Buolamini and Jebru's 2018 research concluded that some facial recognition algorithms misclassified black women nearly 35% of the time, while nearly always getting it right for white men. Crockford added, Late last year, the federal government released its own damning report on bias issues in face recognition algorithms, finding that the systems generally work best on middle-aged white men's faces, and not so well for people of color, women, children, or the elderly. The federal government study concluded the rates of error tended to be highest for black women, just as Bulamwini, Jebru, and Raji found. Those error-prone, racially biased algorithms can have devastating impacts for people of color. For example, many police departments use face recognition technology to identify suspects and make arrests. One false match can lead to a wrongful arrest, a lengthy detention, and even deadly police violence. As Tom Simonite reported, quote, the issue has gained a fresh audience as facial recognition has become more common and policy experts and makers are more interested in the limitations of the technology. Why facial recognition systems perform differently for darker skin tones is unclear. Wolamwini told Congress that many data sets used by companies to train or test facial analysis are not properly representative. The easiest place to gather huge collections of faces is from the web, where content skews white, male, 
and Western. Three face image collections most widely cited in academic studies are 81% or more people with lighter skin, according to an IBM review. Patrick Grother, a widely respected figure in facial recognition who, who leads NIST's testing, says there may be other causes for lower accuracy on darker skin. One is photo quality. Photographic technology and techniques have been optimized for lighter skin from the beginnings of color film into the digital era. Indeed, properly photographing people of color has been a problem for decades. Modern photography evolved from the technique of camera obscura, meaning dark chamber, where an image is projected through a hole in a box or a darkened room onto the side or wall opposite the hole. Records on the use of such devices, sometimes also known as pinhole cameras, date back to the 4th century before the Common Era. The term camera obscura was coined by Johannes Kepler in the 17th century. In the early 19th century, Nicephor Nieps captured a permanent image for the first time using his process of heliography, beginning the evolution from camera obscure to photographic cameras. The first color photograph was taken in 1861 using a tricolor method proposed by the Scottish physicist James Clerk Maxwell. Maxwell's idea was to take three separate black and white photographs using red, green, and blue filters and then recombining them into a final print. But the process was complicated and results inconsistent. The Lumiere brothers created the first commercially successful color process in 1907 with the autochrome plates. In 1935, Kodak introduced the first film where the three colors were integrated into a single monopack by using multi-layer emulsion. Each color was on a single layer of the film. In 1963, Polaroid developed an instant color film, but the optimization of these color processes is not a neutral process, and it required some very subjective, or some would even say racist, decisions to be made by companies like Kodak and Polaroid. In the article, The Unfortunate History of Racial Bias in Photography on slrlounge.com, published in 2016, Shivani Reddy wrote, quote, Concordia University professor Lorna Roth has researched the evolution of skin tone imaging and explains in her 2009 paper how older technology distorts the appearance of black subjects. Quote, the consumer market that was designated in the design of film chemistry was that of the lighter skin market. So when it came to be defining what an idealized international skin tone would be, it turned out to be a lighter skin tone 
than a darker skin tone. In her interview with Vox, Professor Roth explained, the effects that film had on images with primarily white subjects versus black or mixed. For subjects with darker skin tones, there's been reproduction of facial images without details, lighting challenges, and ashen-looking facial skin colors, contrasted strikingly with the whites of the eyes and the teeth. Reddy highlighted that, quote, it wasn't until the 1990s when Kodak tackled color balance issues at a professional level, altering the course of TV film cameras used for Oprah's daytime talk show, for example. Kodak's Gold Max marketing campaign emphasized their film's, quote, improved dynamic range, manifesting commercials starring darker-skinned subjects, hoping to, quote, show their true colors. This bias towards fair skin tones has radically changed thanks to the digital revolution. However, the core misrepresentation for darker skin tones still is prevalent today. There is a strong cultural bias towards lighter skin tones that plagues society today which oftentimes has made its way into the development of technology as well, where companies like HP and Microsoft have found themselves in quite the pickle due to misrepresentation. We shouldn't have to live in a world where whiteness is the default. As Sarah Lewis explained in her article, the racial bias that built photography, published in the New York Times, on April 25th, 2019, quote, by categorizing light skin as the norm and other skin tones as needing special corrective care, photography has altered how we interact with each other without us realizing it. She continued, photography is not just a system of calibrating light, but a technology of subjective decisions. Light skin became the chemical baseline for film technology, fulfilling the needs of its target dominant market. For example, developing color film technology initially required what was called a Shirley card. When you set off your film to get developed, lab technicians would use the image of a white woman with brown hair named Shirley as the measuring stick against which they calibrated the colors. Quality control meant ensuring that Shirley's face looked good. It's translated into the color balancing of digital technology. In her article, Dario Calmese takes on racial bias in photography in dazed on October 1st, 2021, Miss Rosen noted, quote, with the creation and mass market distribution of color film in the mid-1950s, lab technicians established a system for calibrating skin tones that would embrace and flatter the features of their target audience, white women. Until 1954, Eastman Kodak maintained a monopoly 
until the federal government asserted their power to break it up. But by then, the damage had been done. Kodak had produced the Shirley card, a prototype that would be remade for decades to come that featured a pale brunette as the gold standard for calibrating the light and shadow of skin tones during the printing process. Miss Rosen added, if you didn't match those aesthetics, color film was unlikely to flatter you, especially if you possessed deeper, darker skin tones. Writer Sarita McFadden remembers seeing the evidence of photography's color bias. She said, quote, I was 12 years old and paging through a photo album. In some pictures, I'm mud brown, and in others, I'm blue-black, she wrote in a story for BuzzFeed News. Some of the pictures were taken within moments of each other. You look like charcoal, someone said and giggled. I felt insulted, but I didn't have the words for that yet. But as Miss Rosen added, French-Swiss filmmaker Jean-Luc Godard did. In 1978, the mastermind behind new wave films like the classics Breathless and Contempt received a commission from the Mozambican government to collaborate on a new state television channel. He famously refused to shoot on Kodak film, declaring it was, quote, inherently racist in failing to capture the exquisite variety, complexity, and nuance of black and brown skin tones. But artistry and integrity were not enough to affect change. The only color Kodak saw was green. The New York Times writer Sarah Lewis also noted that, quote, Concordia University professor Lorna Roth's research has shown that it took complaints from corporate furniture and chocolate manufacturers in the 1960s and 70s for Kodak to start to fix color photography's bias. Earl Cage, Kodak's former manager of research and the head of Color Photo Studios, received complaints during this time from chocolate companies saying that they were, quote, weren't getting the right brown tones in chocolates in their photographs. Furniture companies were also not getting enough variation between the different color woods in their advertisements. Concordia University Professor Rolt's research shows that Cage had also received complaints before from parents about the quality of graduation photographs. The color contrast made it nearly impossible to capture a diverse group. But it was the chocolate and furniture companies that forced Kodak's hand. Cage admitted, quote, it was never black flesh that was addressed as a serious problem at the time, unquote. Sarah Lewis continued, quote, Fuji became the film of choice for professional photographers shooting subjects with darker tones. 
the company developed color transparency film that was superior to Kodak for handling brown skin. Yet, for the average consumer, Kodak Gold Max became appealing. This new film was billed as being, quote, able to photograph the details of a dark horse in low light. A coded message for being able to photograph people of color. When I first learned about this history from my own father, a photographer, well before I learned of this history from professional photographers, I finally understood why he went almost obsessively to the camera store down the street from our apartment in Manhattan in the 1980s to buy Kodak Goldmax film to capture the broad range of skin tones in our family. Sarah Lewis pointed out that it wasn't until the mid-1990s that, quote, Kodak created a multiracial Shirley card with three women, one black, one white, and one Asian, and later included a Latina model in an attempt to help camera operators calibrate their skin tones. But these were not adopted by everyone since they coincided with the rise of digital photography. The result was film emulsion technology that still carried over the social bias of earlier photographic conventions. Lewis acknowledged that, quote, digital photography has led to some advancements. There are now dual skin tone color balancing capabilities and also an image stabilization feature, eliminating the natural shaking that occurs when you hold the camera by hand and reducing the need for a flash. Yet, this solution creates other problems. If the light source is artificial, digital technology will still struggle with darker skin. It's a merry-go-round of problems leading to solutions leading to problems. Researchers such as Joy Wolomomini of the MIT Media Lab have been advocating to correct the algorithmic bias that exists in digital imaging technology. You see it whenever dark skin is invisible to facial recognition software. The same technology that misrecognizes individuals is also used in services for loan decisions and job interview searches. Yet, algorithmic bias is the end stage of a long-standing problem. Award-winning cinematographer Brad Young, who's worked with pioneering director Ava DuVernay and others, has created new techniques for lighting subjects during the process of filming. Ava Burkowski has offered her tricks for lighting the actors on the HBO series Insecure, including tricks with moisturizer, reflective is best, since dark skin can absorb more light than fair skin. Post-production corrections also offer answers that involve digitizing the film and then color correcting it. All told, rectifying this inherited bias requires a lot of work. In our article entitled, How Two African-American Employees Exposed Polaroid's Role in Apartheid South Africa, published on Science Friday's website, 
on April 24, 2020, Anissa Ramirez reported that, quote, in 1966, Polaroid created the ID2, a photographic system that produced two color photographs for identification cards and official documents in 60 seconds without the need for a dark room or chemicals. This system made it increasingly easier to create one photo for a passbook and one for a government file. According to Ramirez, the two Polaroid employees, Carolyn Hunter and Ken Williams, made a startling discovery in 1970 about Polaroid's involvement in South Africa's system of apartheid. Quote, they found that South Africa was a police state and that a passbook controlled the motion of black South Africans. A passbook was a 20-page bound document with all the information about its holder, where they lived, where they can work, and where they could visit. If a person did not have their passbook, they would be fined exorbitantly or jailed for up to a month doing hard labor. At the heart of that passbook was a photo made by Polaroid. One of the Polaroid ID2's most important design features was a boost button that when pressed would boost the flash exactly 42%. Polarize advertised this special feature for general lighting purposes. The London-based artists Adam Broomberg and Oliver Channerin, quote, feel that the ID2 camera and its boost button were Polaroid's answer to South Africa's very specific need. Black skin absorbs 42% more light. The button boosts the flash exactly 42%, Broomberg explained. He continued, it makes me believe it was designed for this purpose. Government specifically, and the general population as a whole, need to better understand the capabilities and limitations of facial recognition systems. Important decisions should not be made in secret, but out in the open, in the light of day, particularly when those who are most likely to be adversely affected are being left in the dark. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this week's show and that you found something in it to spark a deeper conversation leading to greater understanding. I'm Milton Allen Turner, and I invite you to join me again next week for more Worldviews.